and declare. So there may be times where you've sensed the Holy Spirit wanting you to prophesy and, and to give a word, then you've just kind of shut that down. You just have to trust God and believe God. Amen? That he'll speak through you. And because the Bible says that when we allow him to speak, that when he comes with prophecy, with tongues, interpretation, that it brings edification, exhortation, and comfort to the body. And we need that. Anybody need to be edified? And we, we need that comfort and, and we need that encouragement that comes from God. So I, I, I just encourage you, keep stirring it up. Years ago, I listened to Robert Lairdon praying about that and uh, sharing about how to pray to stir up the gifts inside of you. And it, it's nothing wrong with laying hands on yourself and making a demand on the gift that's on the inside of you. Stir that up. Call those gifts to come to life in you. Be bold in the Lord. Amen? And, and watch what God would do. Just allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Spend time, as the word of the Lord said this morning, spend time in fellowship with God. It is amazing. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you come up for prayer afterwards. We'll pray for you. God's always willing to fill you with the Spirit. That's a promise. You can be filled anytime, anywhere, any place. Amen. You don't have to be in the right place, in the right posture. Amen. You just got to say, Lord, I want your spirit. It's a gift of God. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then praying in the Spirit opens yourself up. And we shared a few weeks ago on Tuesday night just talking about that. When you're praying in the Spirit, when you're being led by the Spirit, we just live in this natural realm. But there's an invitation from God to be walking in the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, you step out of the natural into life with God. Amen. And it's available. Or else I can just live just in my own understanding, my own natural. But there's a promise of God literally to kind of enter into eternity right now. Amen. Leonard, the life of the Spirit is eternal life. Amen. You, you have eternal life on the inside of you. So learning how to walk with God, to enter into that, is a promise that you have today. And this morning I want to talk to you about uh, never letting go of your dream. How many have ever had God speak to you about using you in some capacity? Amen. How many are still waiting for it to come to pass? Amen. So in that, there are things that happen and certain things. But this morning, I want to encourage you, never give up on your dream. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 19 uh, is the account of Jacob's brother seeing him coming to them. Uh, I mean, or Joseph's brother. Jacob had sent him to go, go check out with your brother, see what's going on, bring report back to me, tell me how it's going with them, with the herds and the work out there. But earlier in Joseph's life, he had received a dream from God. And in the dream, he saw himself in a place of leadership concerning his family. And besides just that, and then he begins to share it with his brothers and his family. And not everybody's excited about his vision from God. How you been? Some of you experienced that too. And so, but then besides that, Jacob was the favorite son. He had the coat of many colors. I'm dad's favorite. How many siblings ever told yourself that? I'm the best, dad loves me best, mom loves me, whatever. Well, Jacob was, I mean, Joseph was his father's favorite. It says that Jacob loved Joseph more than him, made him the coat of many colors. So here he comes in his coat of many colors with his dream, sent by his dad to spy on his brothers. In verse 37, it says, chapter 37, verse 19, and then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Father, I thank you this morning, these next few moments. Lord, you will encourage us by your spirit to never give up on the dream that you placed on the inside of us. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, fresh and new today, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So look at the cover of your outline. Hear it again. Never give up on your dream. Habakkuk 2 and verse 3 says, though it tarries, wait for it, it will come to pass. 
Joseph was a dreamer. His life teaches us four lessons that will enable us to hold on to our dream of his purpose being fulfilled in our lives until it comes to pass. God's dream given to you is always connected to his purpose. We're going to see that a little more in a moment. Like I said last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus, if Jesus can turn water into wine, he can fulfill his word concerning you. Amen? Amen. But if he can do that, he can do anything in our life. For all of us, there are a multitude of things we must do and he must do to get us from where we are to where we are going. And that's really a lot of it. Many times we misunderstand how God worked in our life, but really we need to hold on to the vision and the dream that God's placed inside of us, trying to understand what he's doing in us for what he desires to do through it. Hear me in this next point. We must realize that waiting isn't easy, but it's necessary. I mean, we're the generation that hates to wait. We hate to wait for anything. You get frustrated if you're standing in line for very long. I was at Costco yesterday. We were just checking out. I had like four items in my thing, and I thought I was getting in a fast lane because these people were from me. They were behind me. There was, no, there was nothing in their basket. There was nothing on the card, but I, they were holding some papers. I thought, well, man, they're just doing something, and I get behind them, and it was like a phone-in order. They had three pages like a phone-in order, and the lady's trying to go through it and, and enter it, and I'm going, oh, my God. Are you kidding? And so here I am. And then people on the next night, people with 50,000 things going beside me. And I'm like, what? And so there's one lane closed. So I just, I looked over and this guy closed his eyes. I said, I got five things. He like, checked me out. Okay, so I switched to the other. Because I wasn't liking waiting. <laughs> Amen. We're like that. Amen. Uh, and then, I, I share this in first service, kind of interesting. I, I, I love phones. It's cool that we all have, a, have phones or smartphones or accessibility. But something has happened with the phone. Today, have you noticed that if somebody sends you a message, they expect you instantly to answer that. And then if you don't, it's like attitude shows up. Well, you don't love me? You're ignoring me? What's going on? Hello? It might be they have a life bigger than you. It might be they have things they're doing. Maybe they have a job. Maybe, <laughs> but, but see, we, we become to expect a response, a reply. So now we think we treat our prayer request like a text to God. God, I texted you about this, and you haven't answered me yet. He said, I will. Just keep your phone charged. The answer comes, just keep yourself plugged in, keep charged. The answer's coming. There's some things I got to do. A couple other billion people in the world besides you. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we have to realize that waiting isn't easy, but it's necessary. God's working on both ends of the line. He's getting you ready for it when you don't even know what it is. God gives you a dream. Joseph got a dream. He thought he knew what it was. He had no idea what it was. Or how God was going to bring it to pass. And then he's getting it ready for you. Our problem begins when we try to define it instead of letting God and it define us. That's how God begins to work in our life. See, there are those times in all of our lives when we're waiting on the promise of God to come to pass and his purpose to be fulfilled. How we respond during this time is vitally important to whether we receive or miss what God has prepared for us, prepared us for, and prepared for us. How you respond in the season of waiting. 
How to respond while you're in that in-between time until it comes to pass is vitally important. Because many times while we're waiting for the dream, there's other things that we're supposed to be doing. You just keep walking it out. Just staying in track with God. Just do what is before you. Don't worry about it. It's his dream, his vision revealed to you. He's the one bringing it to pass. Amen? So he has to work on you, and he is working on it at the same time. And if you keep your heart and keep your attitude right and learn how to walk in patience and endurance with God, you end up at the fulfillment of the dream. Somebody should say amen. Amen. So remember this. His purpose contains our promise. God's purpose contains our promise. Now, let me give you these kingdom principles just before we break into these four things with Joseph. Watch this. These are principles to keep in mind when it comes to God-given dreams. First of all, dreams from God are always connected to his eternal purpose and plan of redemption. God is doing one thing in the earth. He is redeeming humanity. That's it. He, he, He has an eternal purpose that he's fulfilling. He invites you to be a part of his purpose. If you say yes, he will work through you to accomplish his purpose. When we give our lives to God, when we live, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus that you may do those things that he prearranged for you to do. So there's a plan that God has for each and every one of our lives, but that plan is connected to his purpose. And so when he gives us a dream, it's about he's using us to bring part of his purpose and his plan to pass during our lifetime. So think about it. It's connected to his eternal purpose and plan of redemption. Next, when we live to see his purpose come to pass, we will see the dream he placed in our hearts come to pass. When you're living for purpose, not pleasure, not desire, but you're living, God, I want to be a man or a woman of purpose. I want to live to fulfill your purpose in my life. The Lord appeared to the apostle Paul. Paul, I've appeared unto you for this purpose. I have purpose for your life. So important that we understand that. Next, God's promise for provision in our life is always connect it to the fulfillment of his promise or the redemption of his people. When we say yes to God, as Cole was saying in the offering, it's not that everybody's rich, but that we have full provision to do what he has called us to do, what he has purposed to come to pass in our life. There's always more than enough to fulfill it. Amen. Always. God is a God of blessing. Next, the devil is not threatened by your personal dreams and desires. Devil doesn't care. Dream to be the greatest success. Dream to be a Bill Gates. Dream to be a Warren Buffett. Dream to be whoever. Dream to be a, 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 the, the next Facebook dude, whatever. I can't even say his last name. But in, believe, be that guy, whatever. Be a success. Do this, do that. The devil's not threatened by any of that. He didn't care about any of that. That's why the Bible says, we look at it, David looks at it and said, why are the heathen prospering? Why did the wicked prosper? Because their prosperity does nothing to his kingdom. He knows that he's the God of this world and the riches of this world. He controls them. They use their stuff to do more illicit stuff and, and, and more immorality. It's all propagated through their prosperity which advances his kingdom. Doesn't do damage to it, it advances his kingdom. But when a person of wealth or a person of substance gets saved and their heart turns and says, no, I'm gonna start using my resources for the kingdom of God. I'm gonna build churches. I'm gonna build orphanages. I'm gonna build rescues. Oh, wait a minute, now you have his attention. Are you doing all right? But he is threatened and he wars against our God-given dreams and desires. Go with me to Ephesians chapter six. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he gives them this exhortation at the end of his letter about warfare. 
So he's writing to Christians, not to the world, but he's writing to Christians. And he says this, finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, or the attacks of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Amen? And so here, if we're, before you get saved, you're just going along, everything is fine, and people, man, I got saved and all hell broke loose. Yeah, because God's purpose is now ignited on the inside of you. Everybody, when they get saved, begins to feel like God has purpose for their life, and he would use them as a part of his redemptive plan. And you, the devil knows the moment you say yes to God, you start doing damage to his kingdom. You're going to go into the enemy's camp and rescue souls from hell and bring them out. So now you have engaged yourself in warfare. Amen. And when God gives you a dream, we get all excited. God's going to use me. And then all hell breaks loose. Well, just get some armor on, Bubba. Amen. Come on. You're, you're equipped for the battle. Amen. You're equipped. See, when God gives you a dream, it's for the purpose of his great, it's for a purpose that is greater than your lifespan. Understand that. God wants to do something greater in you than the span of your life. That when you're over, what he did through you doesn't end with you. Amen. It carries on to the next generation. So that you're, for, for it's connected to his eternal purpose. The devil's objective is to shrink your dreams and visions to the time limits of your lifespan. The devil wants you just thinking your prayer. I need to do this. I want to do this in my life. I want to do this. And would just live for your life and think I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. Live for something greater than time. Live beyond the boundaries of your lifetime. Because he knows if he can do that, your influence will end with your life. Amen. Let me say, God's will is that when you and I leave this life, that you would have been a woman or a man of influence that touched many. And that influence would continue on to another generation and another generation. Amen? That's his desire. Think about it. God's dream in your life is always connected to eternity and the reward of heaven. God's dream outlives your lifespan here. That's the will of God. Go with me to Genesis chapter 15. Let me show you this. When God gives you a dream, it's not just connected to your life. God's purpose is bigger than your life. I hate to disappoint you, but his purpose is greater than just our life. When I understand how he works, it gets to be kind of exciting. So here's Joseph, young man. He's just a young man, about 17 years old. All of a sudden, he gets this dream from God. I'm going to be a great leader for God. I'm going to rule over my family. I told you so. Amen. And so he just gets this in him. He's all fired up about it and everything. But he doesn't understand that his dream is connected to something that began before him and is going to continue after him. His dream is a part of the eternal purpose of God. And God is inviting him in to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. And it began before him. It's going to continue after him. Genesis 15 and verse 12. God speaking with Abram. And now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. He's prepared this sacrifice and, and asking God to confirm his covenant. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he, God, said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be greater in the land, excuse me, will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for how long? 
for four. So, so God is speaking to Abraham before he has Isaac, revealing himself to him that he has an eternal plan, and from Isaac he will have seed that will come, and that seed will grow into a nation, and there will be a time when they're taken into Egypt, and they will be in Egypt for 400 years, and they will serve them there, they'll be in bondage there, and then God will raise up a deliverer and bring them out. How many know that even with Abraham, he's being shown something that started before him, is a part of him, but it's going to continue after him. And you need to understand about that with your dream in God. When God is using you, what God has called you into, the reason you're here today, you're a part of something that started before you. It's going, God's going to do something in you, and it's going to continue after you. Amen. So watch it. And then he goes on to say, he said, for 400 years, verse 14, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterward, and they shall come out with great possession. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. But what I did in you will continue after you. Do you understand that? That's what God is getting us to see. Live for something larger. Oh, God, will you bless my life? Will you give me? I, I need more stuff. I need more things. We have more stuff. We have to sell our stuff to get rid of our stuff. Anyway, moving right along. Just, we just need to live a little bigger. Amen? So watch it. Joseph's dream is connected to Abraham's promise. His dream goes back and is connected to Abraham's promise, and it's connected to the coming of Moses and the deliverer and the future of a nation. So let me encourage you today. Never give up on your dream. Look at these four lessons we learned from Joseph. Number one, don't give up on your dream even though you didn't start well. How many know Joseph didn't start well? He's got out there, da, 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 I have a dream. From there on, it was all downhill. Joseph had received a dream of leadership in relationship to his family. He had seen that one day they would look to him for guidance and direction, that he would be a leader. Here's a key point. And what he saw was true. The key point is, don't share the dream with others when you don't even know what it means. See, the problem is, is we, I said it earlier, we get in trouble when we try to define it instead of allowing the dream and God to define us. God, God's going to bring it to pass. It already has definition. It doesn't need us to add anything to it. We just, our answer is yes and Amen. Yes, I agree. Father, I'll do whatever you want to do in my life. I'm here. I'll serve you. Just serve the Lord with openness. Next, Joseph made the mistake of sharing too much information with his family. It got him into a lot of trouble, but it didn't stop him. Amen? See, he knew how to hold on to the dream in his heart. See, at the beginning of a dream, there's often more enthusiasm than wisdom. How many would agree? Because, man, we're enthused, but there's more. We, we need wisdom, not just enthusiasm. And because of that, we say and do things that we shouldn't. Joseph's life, though, encourages us to recapture the dreams we may have abandoned, all because it didn't start well. I know a lot of people that got fired up about something, and they begin to share it. And people are like, well, man, you don't believe my dream. You don't believe what God's doing my life. And they just get the wrong attitude. And they don't understand, wait a minute. God has work on you, and he's working on it. And before he brings you and it together, there's going to be some time. And so if you just be patient and let God work on you, and he's probably going to work on you with having you in a place that doesn't even look like it's connected to your dream. Yeah. 
and having people in you who don't even recognize your dream, recognize your potential, because there's things he needs to do in you to prepare you. And over here, he's orchestrating all this so that when you show up, both you and it are ready. Amen? Amen? So we have to understand that. Secondly, don't give up on your dream even though others don't support it. I mean, Joseph's brother, his family, nobody was in support of his dream. How you been? And next thing you know, he finds himself being beat up by his brother, being thrown into a pit, and instead of being kill, almost killed by them, here he comes, let's kill him. We'll, we'll show him how his dream worked. Lead this, dude. And so they, <laughs> they get him there, and, and then Reuben talks him out of killing him. They sell him into slavery. I mean, how many know when he gets there at Potiphar, I'm called to be a great leader. He doesn't go around boasting about his dream. He just keeps holding that thing in his heart. And the whole time he's having his attitude right during that whole process. And then he goes there, and, and then he's got the funky lady there trying to rip his clothes off and make him lie with her. And then, ah! He runs out. And I would say this when I read that verse, it's better to run naked in the presence of God than to lie in the bed with a devil. Amen. <laughs> Amen. See, Joseph's brother said, look, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. It's hard to keep your dream alive when others are trying to kill you. I don't have the time, but if you read 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, hey, you're with us. And when you received the gospel, you came into this persecution for the sake of the gospel. You've been walking through this with it. You've seen it in our life. And so Paul goes, hey, this is what I need to know. Since you've heard this in us and we've heard things happening to you, I had to send Timothy. Chapter 3 says, I couldn't stand it. I had to send Timothy to find out how's your face, lest the tempter had tempted you by just discouraging you through persecution, through temptation, that you would give up on the hope and the dream and the purpose that God has in your life. So Paul said, don't give up on your dream, even when others aren't, don't support it or see it. See, it's hard to keep your dream alive in that state. When your dream comes from God, it holds you even when you're unable to hold it. You know, Pastor Sue and I, when we first went into the ministry, and here's an area that I want to help you with, with attitude. It's so important. When we first went in the ministry, we went as associate pastors and assistants in Bernie, California. We were helping in a school there. We, we were asked to become pastors by a young couple that went out of our home church. This was their first church, and it just was a mess when they got there. It just wasn't turning out well. And so the church, before we got there, the church had had a church split eight months before we got there. I mean, an ugly split and stuff. And, and stuff. In fact, I heard a, a thing by T.D. Jake the other day. It was really pretty good. He says, nowhere in the Bible do you find devils fighting against devils, demons warring against demons. He said, the kingdom of the devil works in perfect unity. You got to come over to the church to get believers to fight against believers. Anyway, moving back over here. That was a good word. And in this area... So this was a deacon-possessed church, okay? <laughs> True story. And in that, the deacons were running the church. It didn't matter what the pastor wanted to do. They were telling, this is what we want, this is what we want, this is what we want, da-da-da-da. And so the pastor said, no, I'm going to follow God. Well, the church splits. They take, I mean, just ugly, ugly. We come in behind that. This poor pastor gets wounded by what he's experiencing from these people. He gets very defensive. So we're there a year and a half. After a year and a half, the pastor and his wife call me in the office, and for 45 minutes, they just, like, chew me out. You're trying to take our church? I said, oh, that's how much I want your church. Bye. Bye, I quit, I'm gone, bye, bye, I'm gone, bye. I quit right there on the spot, walked out, amen. And so then there, there, there's about three, three weeks of a span of time there, and uh, now I go, I just quit, what am I gonna do? 
and my wife were here. What are we doing? I said, God, what's going on? And so we get there, and I go, oh, my gosh. And I'm just waiting on God. And then three weeks later, they have an annual church business meeting, and the pastor resigns. And then the executive presbytery come up, and they shut down the whole church. And the executive presbytery come up. We're now, the executive board is now your board. You no longer have a vote. We'll send pastors and do all that. And, and, and so we'll send guys in we think could maybe try to help you guys because you're all crazy and stuff. And so they tried to help. And then they go, in the meantime, you need somebody to be your interim pastor. Who would you, is there anybody here in the congregation? And all the people in the congregation go, we want Brother Pritchard. I said, you don't want me, I just quit. And so what it did, it reaffirmed in, in the pastor who just resigned. He thought, that, see there, he's trying to take my church. But at that time, I wasn't licensed with them, so I couldn't pastor that church. But I could be the interim pastor, and I could teach, and I could hold the church together, and I could raise the money to move the next pastor out from Kansas. So I raised the money to move this guy out. People started coming back. Church was going, it was going good. And then when that pastor gets here, within three weeks, he said, have you ever thought about leaving? I said, dude, I just held this together, got this here for you, and now you're kicking me out. I said, God, what do I do? Just, so we're just sitting there, and, and nothing's open up. I said, God, what do I do? I call up my dear mentor, Brother Jess Higginbottom. I said, Brother Jess, what do I do? He said, son, this is what you do. You stay there, and you keep your attitude right. Because he said, I don't care what you have. You stay there. Even if you have to eat dirt, you stay there. Because if you leave and your attitude isn't right, it'll follow you wherever you go. And it'll rob the purpose of God in your heart. So I just stay there and eat dirt and wait on God. And then God opened up the door to Bieber. And then we get to Bieber and we're sharing our vision, our heart. We're passing there for six years and God's going and God puts it in our heart. We had a, a, a 32 acres where we had a Christian school and we had a church, little church building that would fit inside of this building in town and a little old funky parsonage there. And I said, hey guys, let's sell this building and the parsonage. Let's move out on our acreage. Let's build a gymnasium. Let's do a youth outreach and let's build this gymnasium and reach our young people. There's nothing here for them. We can't do this. Our building is a national monument. Monument. They said our church, it was a 30 year old cinder block building. They said it was a historical landmark. I said it's a pink cinder block building. It's known as the pink church. But to them, it was a historical landmark. It was the historical pink church landmark in Bieber. So they wouldn't sell it. So they don't want to be a part of the vision. But that's what God stirred in me there. And so even I share with them when we were coming, I said, God, this. They're interviewing me to be their pastor. I go, man, I feel like God would do this. I believe God could do anything. And, and the, one of the elders goes, wow. With a vision like that, God will take you somewhere to do something great someday. I said, what? I said, I said why couldn't he do something great right here? He could do something great right here. But see, sometimes God puts you in a place. And so what's happening through all this transition, God is working on me. Yeah. The other time he's working on it over here. But he's wor- see, I'm in there where he's working on me. Sometimes you're in the place you have a dream from God and you're wanting why God has an answer, why it hasn't come to pass. Because you need a lot of work. I needed a lot of work. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so he's getting you ready for it. He's working on it, but they're not supporting you. So the next thing you know, and then, see, this year, next month, October, we celebrate 10 years of our outreach center being open. 10 years, October, marks the anniversary of Lord's Gym being open. But the summer before it opened, I'm standing right there. And it's 17 years since we came from Bieber to here. And I'm standing right there, and I'm looking across the wall at the banner. It says, opening soon. And the Spirit of God says, I put it in you there for here. Well, I said, I wish you would have told me there that it was for here. (laughs) Amen. 
And so what happened through that transition, watch this, through that transition, I was so frustrated because they didn't want to walk with me through vision. I said, bless God, I'm out of here. Pastor Doug and I, we came, we're looking around. I'm going to go start church. I'm leaving. I got leaving in my heart. I'm a country song on wheels. Amen. And I'm leaving, man. I'm blowing this COVID. I'm out of here. And then I go back after leaving, and it's already on purpose. I'm gone. I told the guy who was with me, you can have this thing. I'm done with these people. They're crazy up here. And, 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 and I go into the sanctuary, and I open my Bible, and I'm praying one morning, being spiritual with my attitude. None of you have ever been there. I'm being spiritual with my attitude and my attitude, holding on to my dream. Nobody likes my dream. Nobody wants to run with my vision. Hold on to my dream. I stand there. And the Lord says, you ought to go to James chapter 4. So I turn to James chapter 4. He says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, the Lord wills, we'll go to this city or that city and buy and sell and make gain. You need to ask me if my will, it's not your ministry, it's my call upon your life. And so I had to stay there another year and get my attitude right. <laughs> took me a year. To get my attitude right. None of you have been there. So laugh at me. Go ahead. Amen. See, if it's not for there, then it has to be for here, but you don't know where here is. And he's not, he just gives you a part of it. How many of you ever go to the movies and before the movie comes on, they show you all the previews? You know what the previews are? It's just enough of a vision to want you to buy into the whole thing. God gives you a preview. In a dream, it's just a preview of his plan for your life, just enough to get you to say yes and buy into the whole thing. Are you with me this morning? Look at the next point. So when your dream comes from God, there's times when it holds you when you can't hold it. Number three, don't give up on your dream even though your journey is full of surprises. See, your dream will invite attack. Don't let that discourage you. Get this this morning. Attack is a sign of respect. An attack is a sign of respect. It means that the devil sees God's purpose is still alive on the inside of you. You may not think it is, but an attack is a sign of respect for what God has purposed to do through your life. It means you haven't been defeated. Somebody ought to shout this morning. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. If you're under attack, it means you haven't been defeated. Remember that the devil can't see any more of your purpose than you can. If he could, he would have never killed the Lord Jesus. See, knows this. All he knows is that your life is in seed form. If you sow your life into the soil of God's kingdom, it will produce the harvest that God has assigned to your life. There's nothing he can do to stop that except to try to get you to abort the process through attacks. Are you with me? I always illustrate it like this. See, see, see what's on this pack? What's on there, Israel? I don't know. Huh? Green beans. Green beans. A whole bunch of them, right? Yeah. A whole bunch of them. And so this pack, this pack says that if you plant this bean, that all this, all this is in this. That's right. See? That, that there's a bean vine with lots of beans, with lots of little bean seeds in them. And all this is in this. God says, your word is your life, this is you, your seed, your life is in seed form, and the devil knows when you say yes to God, all this is in this. All this is in this. But what we do is we say, 
I want to stay this and have this. Because I like my beanie self. I'm a beautiful bean. I'm a bean extraordinaire. And I don't want my bean transformed. But I want what's supposed to come out of me. But this bean has to be planted in soil. This bean's going to die. The, uh, what's in it is going to grow out of it, and it's going to be transformed. Right. It's going to go through a metamorphosis. And the assignment, that this assignment, this purpose, this vision, this vision is on the inside of this. But this vision won't come to pass until this is sown. But if this is sown, you get this being in the ground and you can't stop the assignment that's on the inside of it. Do you understand that? And the devil knows that. And so when you're under attack, you may think, well, what did I do? As, as long as it's there, God never gives up. God never releases. As long as you're alive, God never releases his dream for your life. That's why he says, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. And when he sees you, all he sees in your life is the assignment that he gave to your life. And when you say, God, I'm giving my life back to you. I'm getting on track. I'm planting my soil. I'm willing to be dead in Christ and raised in newness of life to produce the harvest that you assigned to my life. Amen. Amen. And the only thing the devil can do is try to get you to abort the process. And you have to be a volunteer through discouragement and everything else that he brings against your life. He can't see it. He knows it. He can't see, but he knows that God has placed an assignment that he can't stop on the inside of you. Greater than you and I can even fathom. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. See, his goal is to get you to give up through discouragement and to let go of the dream. Refuse discouragement and hold on to your dream. Listen to what Emerson said. He said this, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are small compared to what lies within us. Glory to God. Come on, I wish you would have a dream again in God. I wish you would stir it up. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, there's a gift on the inside of you by the laying on of my hand. Every one of you, when you're born of God, you have purpose in God's eternal plan. God has something he wants to do. We, 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 we live in American mentality. Well, what if he's going to do something, I have to be the most successful. I have to be the greatest. God only asked Abraham to have one son. And out of that one son came a nation. But it came after him. Amen? Glory to God. Five times you'll read in the life of Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Hear me, my friend. He's with you. He'll always be with you. Don't give up on your dream, number four, even though it takes a lifetime. 17 years later, I'm putting you there for here. What? We don't understand how God works. And you think, oh, God put in there so we can build a big Lord gym, be really popular. No, God probably gave us a Lord gym so we, there's one person he wants to reach you that gym maybe. There's one person that's part of to the eternal purpose and the plan. Everything God does is according to his eternal purpose and plan. He just asks you to be a part of it, and he'll use you somehow in connecting with it. Somebody say amen. amen. I watch. See, over 13 years passed before Joseph's dream was completely fulfilled. The word of God is fulfilled with the accounts of those who had to wait for their dream to come to pass. Yet in the end, it came to pass. Everybody say appointed time. 
Here's your key. You better keep your attitude right or you'll miss your appointed time. I had so many opportunities. See, for, for me, get this. My pastor, when, when we were there at New Life, I'd have stayed there and served my pastor the rest of my life in New Life Assembly. I'd have stayed there, served him. If he'd, I'd have been Sunday school superintendent or teacher, bucket washer, anything, if he'd have asked me to stay there and work, I'd have stayed there and served him. But he never asked me to do anything because he couldn't see what was in me. A year later after we left, we left and go to Bernie, and we come back, we're visiting. I'm sitting there, like in, in, in the second row, where, where, where Leah's sitting, Brother Hood comes down, sits down on the front row in front of me. He goes, son, if I'd have seen what was in you, I'd have never let you go. I said, thank you, Pastor, that encourages me. So what he's saying is that he, because of your past and your failures and things about, I couldn't see beyond what I could see. I couldn't see beyond what I could see and knew about you, so I didn't see what was in you. I couldn't see, son. I couldn't see what was in you. And so because of that, I let you go. And he said, now that I see what's in you, I wish I would have never let you go. But I wasn't, that wasn't my assignment there. My, my, my place wasn't there. And so he had to be that person. And so then I got to go, well, how am I going to deal with that? It doesn't matter. I just go ahead. Keep your attitude right. Keep your attitude right because God, it's those things that release you to get you because there I never would have been shaped in what God wanted me to do. I needed to go to a deacon-possessed church. I need to fight some demons. I need to deal with stuff. I had to go to a place where people wouldn't believe God for anything. Amen. I left Bernie to go to a church where people didn't believe God did anything. God didn't do anything. And then God sent me there and said, God does everything. And then God showed up and did stuff. It was the coolest time. And then my pastor would call me up, have they killed you yet? <laughs> I always got those calls from my pastor. Are you still alive? Amen. Watch this. Watch this. See, in the end, in the end, Joseph ruled his family, reconciled with his brothers, and saved a nation from extinction. He couldn't see that. But in the end, he had that position of leadership with his family. He was reconciled to his brothers and he saved a nation. See, you never know what God's timetable will look like. That's why Habakkuk said, write it, make it plain, though it tarry. Wait for it, guys. Wait for it. The worship team comes back. The important thing is, hear me, never give up on your dream. I think one of the most major things that God has to deal with this is our attitude. We are the most touchy-feely nation on the face of the earth. If you say, well, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you didn't do that. You didn't do this to me. You didn't treat me like that. La, 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 la. Amen. You better get over that. Amen. Because if you become touchy-feely, the devil will make people come and touch your feelies all the time. The devil will send people into your life to touch your feelies and get you upset. Ooh, 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 ooh. And you'll be a nobody, you, you'll be a, oh, yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> look at where we are today. Look at our nation. Look at the culture you live in. About, we can't say this, can't do that. Come on, it's, whatever happened to growing up, whatever happened to a little bit of thick skin, whatever, man, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to press through regardless. Whatever happened to sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whatever happened to believing God. Amen. Amen. Hey, Ben. I'll amen myself. Amen. amen. If you like, Sherwood Carton this morning, amen all by myself. Remember this. Remember, God is working on both ends of the line. He's getting you ready for it when you didn't even know what it is. 
And he's getting it ready for you. Remember, always be thankful for where you are and for what you have. A wise man said this one time. I had to say that because I don't remember who it was. Never count on the might of bins or you will be defeated. Never look at what you've lost, only at what you have left. God said to Moses, hey Moses, what's in your hand? Moses lost everything. All he had was a staff. God didn't talk about what he didn't have. He said, Moses, what do you have? I have a staff. He said, well, throw that down. I'll use that. Keep your eyes on what you have. Remember to always praise and magnify God with thanksgiving. Because gratitude has these four factors to it. First of all, gratitude has driving power. Bill, if you'd play. Gratitude has driving power. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Thanks be to God no matter what's going on. God is leading us in a triumphant procession. And we're the aroma and the fragrance of Him. And we carry that with us. When it looks like we should be defeated, God is leading us in triumph. If we'll hold on to our gratitude. It has driving power. Secondly, it has receiving power. Paul said, pray and you'll receive. Don't worry. Regularly recall the goodness of God. Think on those things which are good and lovely, just and pure, of a good report. If there be any virtue, be any pray. Come on. Keep yourself moving forward with that reviving power of encouragement. Thirdly, gratitude has striving power. Gratitude gives you the energy to move ahead. Paul could press on because his goals included this, that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering, in the power of his resurrection, because he wanted to preach in Spain. He's there in Rome. He says, I'm going to go to preach through Spain and through those regions. And then he had a desire to see a lost world saved. Gratitude kept him with striving power. And then lastly, gratitude carries with it arriving power. When you reach your destination, you will find that you have developed selflessness and humility. That's because gratitude is nothing more than telling God and those around you, thanks, I couldn't have done this or gotten here without you. Amen? So here's my question today. Are you still holding on to your dream? Amen. Over the years, I run across a lot of people all these years of pastoring and watching. You see people come and go, people on fire, people doing things. They go, what happened? You had a dream. What happened to your dream? What happened to the vision? This was there because we miss out that it takes time and God has to work on us and work on it. Are you still holding on? Never give up on your dream. Never give up. When you read the life of Joseph, you understand why you have to go through places. I understand as I look back why I had to go from here to here to here to here to end up where God brings you and where he desires to work through you. Let me ask you this. Has a bad beginning caused you to let go? Have you been discouraged because it's taking longer than you expected? And other people aren't excited about your dream and even to seem to be fighting against you? Have you given up because life seems to be just one surprise after another? Well, then hear me this morning. This means your dream is still alive. And you're a prime candidate for the dream to come to pass. Come on, never give up on your dream. I felt so strongly this week, the Lord speaking to me to to share this with you. I believe God's trying to speak to somebody who's had a dream, who's had that drive of God in your heart. But all these things are happening, and you don't know why. It doesn't make sense. Just hold on to the dream of God. Because sometimes there's things he's working in you. And then sometimes we mess things up because we get in there. And sometimes we got to take ourselves out of the equation. And just get back where we're not trying to define it. 
We're not trying to make it happen. I've watched more people make a mess trying to make the dream come to pass than let the dream come to pass. Amen? Just wait on God. Wait on God and watch what he does. Just be faithful where he has you. Serve where you're at. Because in your serving, right where you at, God is, there's people around you that are helping God work on you. God has you right where he needs you to, to shape you and position you for where he's taken you. So just be faithful right where you're at. Can you say amen? Stand with me this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. I'm asking Cole to come and we're praying this morning. And maybe you're here this morning and something in the dream of God. I just felt it so strongly as I was preparing. God woke me up early this morning and gave me some things to add to this and connecting with this with our attitude and thing. Maybe there's just something that has happened. Maybe you felt that, man, I'm running with it, but it just is taking too long. Nobody's receiving it. All those things have gone through your heart. But God wants to reassure you this morning, never give up on your dream. Never give up on the purpose that God has for your life. Maybe something changed. Maybe there's something that happened to you physically. Maybe because you feel because of a condition in your life physically or a circumstance or a situation or relationship. Something has happened in some way that's caused you to let go of the dream. God never gives up on the dream that he puts in your life. His purpose is an eternal purpose. And when you step into Christ, you step into that eternal purpose of God. And because circumstances around your life change, His purpose is unchangeable. So this morning, somebody needs to be encouraged. Somebody needs to take, take a step and get out of where you are and say yes again to the dream of God. Somebody needs to answer that call again. Say, God, I'm taking my hand off it. I'm not going to define it. I'm going to let it define me. And I'm going to let you work in me. I understand that you have to do something in me. And you have to do something for it to come to pass. So I'm going to yield my life to you. If that's you as they begin to sing, you come right now. We're going to pray and agree with you. I know God speaking to heart. I just feel this so strongly. God is bringing a breakthrough right now. Come on, he's bringing a breakthrough for your life. Don't let the devil hinder you. His attack is a sign of his respect for the call of God that's on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today and you need a healing in your body. There's something connected to you physically and you think because of this situation, I can't answer the call of God. It's a restriction and a restraint upon my life. Come on, his call is sure. 